Hey everybody, welcome into To The Point. Hope you're doing well today on this Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. 23, 2023, fun little day. Numbers-wise, we are here live with lots to dive into today. Matt Wright will be by shortly to chat about March Madness. Some underdogs, we got some Cinderella stories still alive, Princeton, Florida Atlantic, we're going to chat about that. also want to get talk to Matt about the NFL world, including his New England Patriots, where they stand, 14th pick in the draft. Draft is a little over a month away. Carolina owns the number one pick. New England, do they want a quarterback? Should they go for Lamar Jackson? AFC East, where does Matt stand? Does he want the team to tank? We'll get into that. Also today, going to chat about some NHL. The Tampa Bay Lightning are in the news, for me anyway. Not because of games. I'm going to be honest. The NHL lately has been a bit of a a bit of a slog. The games feel like they're not that important. Players are playing them like they're not that important. You can. I can't wait for the playoffs to start. Just completely open and honest with you. I. I'm interested in in few you know a few teams like Pittsburgh Colorado game last night I watched most of it flip between that and and the NBA, but I mean if you're if you're a fan of a certain team and you're just watching games right now in the National Hockey League it can be a slog it can be boring if you're a Leaf fan I wouldn't freak out too much I don't think you know your team's played a little iffy lately Tampa is not playing well but what I do do with ten games left from each team for these teams that are going to make the playoffs is you look for patterns and you look for different things that they're not doing that well. And I have one on Tampa, which I'll talk about later in the show, which I don't know they're going to be able to fix. I really don't. They've been in three straight, three straight cup finals. They're due to lose a series. And what they have done, and that's dynasty stuff. They might have only won two of them, but they shouldn't have made a cup final last year because now with the way the system's set up, it's salary cap and everything you're meant not to have success you're meant to fail and they somehow overcome that despite losing player after player so kudos to them also want to get into Connor mcdavid later in the show 60 goals in 72 games 60 goals in 72 games 138 points the guy is truly incredible there's nothing like him And I saw this fun fact, actually, just before I hopped on, on Twitter. Matthews had 60 goals in 73 games last year. So you have have Connor McDavid doing a little bit better than his counterpart, just to show him, I don't know. You're you're good, but, I mean, there's there's one sheriff in, in this town, and it's me. So there's, there's Connor McDavid just setting another statement around the league. But I want to start off today with something I was going to get to yesterday, but I'm in the process of moving and I'm doing some stuff. I'm busy anyway. So in between all that, Tuesday evening, I watched a fantastic sporting event. It wasn't Leafs Islanders, shockingly. No, it's tough to imagine that it wasn't the, the Leaf game Tuesday night. It wasn't any NBA game. Even my Sacramento Kings losing to the Boston Celtics wasn't that game. 
But Tuesday evening, I get locked in the chair. I'm sitting there with my little 11-pound miniature dashing on my leg, snoring away. And I turn the tube on, and I see Japan versus Team United States in the World Baseball Classic final. And I had watched quite a bit of the World Baseball Classic over the last week. I got into it. I enjoyed it. I love seeing the passion. Randy Rosa running harder than he ever has in Major League Baseball, which I'm sure makes the Tampa Bay Rays super stoked. But you saw the patriotism. You saw the care. And quite frankly, baseball is fun. I'm excited. Scratch that. I hate that word. I am looking forward to the season starting a week from today. But a month of spring training if, if people are watching everyday spring training baseball, kudos to you. I don't have it in me, nor do I care enough. But there will be a full Major League Baseball preview next week, to the point. Tune in. Be prepared. I'll have you prepared for the season. I'll tell you my World Series pick. Probably wrong. But anyway, actually, I'm on a bit of a heater lately with my picks. If you recall, I picked the Super Bowl champion. The NHL, I don't know. Will I get that right? We'll see. I'm a bit of a heater. Got Rory McIlroy win the Masters in a couple weeks. Futures bet. We'll see. It. But nevertheless, I've got baseball on, and it's incredible stuff. Team USA with a lineup full of all-stars. Mike Trout looking like vintage Mike Trout. You got Japan. Yoshida coming over to play for the Red Sox this season, looking good. You have a crazy 21-year-old kid who's throwing 104 mile an hour. Then you got Shoei Otani who's batting and pitching because he's the human highlight reel, and he's a cyborg. But you're watching the game as 3-1 Japan. The U.S. makes it 3-2 and get to the ninth inning. And here comes Shoei Otani from the bullpen. He's going to close it. Vintage. In the mid 2000 World Series for the San Francisco Giants. And Otani gets to the plate. So he gets to the mound. Trout's at the plate. 3 2 game, two outs. And it ends perfectly. Otani, 100 miles an hour. Another 100, 100 mile an hour pitch. 100 mile an hour, 100 mile an hour. 1 2 count. And on the last pitch of the game, he throws a little something off. Not 100. How about a 99 mile per hour cutter? to Mike Trout, strikes out his LA Angel teammate to lead Japan to the World Baseball Classic Championship. It was awesome. It was awesome, the celebration. You saw the Japanese players, what it meant to them. The U.S. wanted it just as bad. And watching the game, it drew me to a few conclusions, and it, it's going to make me admit that I'm wrong about something. I've always looked at these international events from the ownership side more than the player side because I find the ownership decisions, I find that element of it more intriguing they make the big decisions. Athletes get to play. I've, I'm going to support athletes looking for contracts. I talk about that with Lamar Jackson all the time. 
But I now can look at the World Baseball Classic and the success it had. And it made me think of the NHL and the NHL players wanting to play at the Olympics. And obviously the NHL players haven't been to the Olympics. Men's men's hockey has been played with NHL players at the Olympics since 2014. Sochi, I believe, was the last time. Yeah. Last time. We went to Pyeongchang, Beijing. Might have been another one in there. I don't know. They were in Tokyo, too. It's always... I don't even know where the next Winter Olympics is. Again, the Olympics is not my favorite thing. But anyway. Nevertheless, it made me think of this. Because World Baseball Classic, Olympics, international events... There is always going to be a risk of injury. That is always going to be a baseball classic. Edwin Diaz, Taurus Patellar tendon, done for the season with the New York Mets. Steve Cohen is just throwing bricks at a wall right now. He's spending more money than a third of the league on one team. He's got money out the wazoo and luxury tax. He wants to win a World Series more than anything. He's going to lose money this year trying to win. He's already lost a closer. My God. But he's got Brandon Nimmo coming back, and he's got Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, and he's got all these other pieces, but he's killing himself because he doesn't have a closer at the back of his bullpen. And then there's Jose Altuve, multiple-time World Series champion, maybe future Hall of Famer, broken thumb. On a pitch, oh, multiple months. Houston lost Justin Verlander. They lost pieces in the offseason. But yet, Houston's okay with it, but really they're not okay with it. They're pissed off, but they feel they can overcome it, still compete for a World Series, new GM, all this different stuff. We'll talk about it next week. But they're upset. You lose players. But you know what also happened? Spring training, Brandon Nimmo, Mets, hurt his knee. Might miss the start of the season. That's funny. He didn't play at the World Baseball Classic. Still got hurt because there's a risk to spring training. See, is it worth the publicity of a spring training game for Brandon Nimmo to get hurt in front of, what, 2,400 people in Sarasota, Florida? 2,400 people in Sarasota, that was worth Brandon Nimmo getting out there for a day? I don't know. Doesn't seem like it to me. And what other spring training injuries? Adam Wainwright, three to four weeks today, out, start the year. Ageless wonder in, in St. Louis. They open against the Blue Jays. He won't be pitching. He's out for the first month of the season. Didn't play in the WBC. Sure, the Blue Jays wish Yusei Kikuchi would have got hurt at the WBC or any kind of other league that he could play in that's not Major League Baseball. But there are injuries in any sport you play. There are risks. I'm missing one, and I wanted to bring it up. Oh, yeah, Bryce Harper. Out to start the year. He had surgery. Oh, that's two. Joey Votto might miss the start of the year. Oh, that's a shame. So injuries are going sports. There's risk. That's just the straight dope of it all. But here's the thing. I believe the WBC 
and things like the Olympics when it comes to hockey are worth it after seeing this because of publicity alone. You know who was talking about spring training before the WBC? Maybe Jeff Passan, maybe Tim Kirchin, because they're baseball people. They love, they love the sport. They have to cover it. But no just individual Joe fan is that excited for opening day. You know why? Because there's 162 fucking games. But now people have a fever for baseball. They have a sense. They're like, okay, the season's a week away. Look at how great this product was. The momentum to it. We love it. We love it. And it promotes the game. Now people just saw Shohei Otani strike out his teammate. Where's he going to go? The cyborg. We just seen him pitch. Who's Shohei Otani? Who's this new pitcher for the? Who's this new player for the Boston Red Sox? Is Otani going to get five hundred million? He's going to get six hundred million. He's a pitcher in a hitter. Five ERA, nine strikeouts. Pretty damn good, lads. Is he going to get six hundred million? Five hundred million? What's happening with him? Are the Yankees not allowing their players to play at the WBC? Why did Nestor Cortez pitch? Should we be pissed off at the Yankees? Oh, yeah, Aaron Judge re-signed in the Bronx. We forgot about that four months ago. He's the new captain. Who cares? Some people might, Casey. But other than that, there is a buzz. There's a feeling. There are people that matter, the people that care. And this is really how they should look at this and how economics works. Canada is not one of the most important markets for people to tune in and watch. It's great, don't get me wrong, but does ESPN care that people on Sunday night are tuning into TSN 5 to watch Yankees Red Sox? Not really. You know what would be great for Major League Baseball? If they could get Cuba, if they could get Japan they could get Venezuela, if they could get everybody, including Canada, to view their product, to care about their product. Now you can do that? Oh, yeah. Randy Rosarena, formerly of Cuba, defected to Mexico. Now he's a, he's a lovable figure. He's from Mexico. His family lives there now. How do we know that story? WBC, wouldn't have heard it otherwise. He's now a Mexican citizen. What about all the people in Mexico? Are they going to watch? Who are they going to watch? Imagine they have the Tampa Bay Rays. They become fans of the Tampa Bay Rays. Maybe they can catch a flight, watch them in Tampa. be plenty of tickets. But there's movement. There's excitement. There's somebody you can cheer for. Without the WBC, you don't have that story. Or the story doesn't hold as much value. Because Randy Rosarena got to show his pride for the sport by playing for his country. By demonstrating it on the field by making Superman catches. We went through, you go through all of it, it's spectacular. Hockey. Hockey's great in Canada. We all know that. We're gonna love hockey no matter what. We can complain that players aren't going to the Olympics. People can, oh, you know, people from Toronto are upset. Oh, this isn't happening. Brian Hayes and overdrive, blah, blah, blah. But that's not why I care. I don't care about the broadcasting part because, quite frankly, if Canadians loved hockey that much, we should be watching whoever the fuck goes. Watch the games. 
If we're that big of hockey fans, it shouldn't have to be NHL players because there's good hockey anywhere, right? You think in, uh, think in Argentina you can see a pretty damn good soccer game any night of the week? You can go find somebody playing a pickup soccer game. It's pretty good. Think you can do that in England? How about you go watch major midget hockey? It's pretty good. We'll be sending that in the Olympics. Send juniors. Men's league teams. Whatever it might be, we can have good product without having the extra of it all. And I don't think Canadians are willing to do that. I don't think they're that big of fans. I think we're a lot of us are hypocrites, quite frankly that are frauds, that pretend to love the sport that much, but we really don't. We want the best. We need the best to watch. Oh, what's the point of watching? So you're not that big of a fan. So I hate that media narrative, and I think it's lazy. But this is where owners should look at this and at the opportunity that it truly is. Owners are pushing to play preseason games in Australia, in Germany, and wherever else. They're going different places every year. And it's viewed as promoting the game. It's good for the sport. It gets people talking. It gets us on the road. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. Sure. There is, I'm sure there's some truth to that. I'm sure there's some people that watch the game and fall in love with it and love the art of the sport. Like me with UFC, maybe or golf, and there's going to be the, the certain person that that finds that love. But for the NHL, you know, David Pasternak playing for Team Czech Republic, the next Jeremy Yager, the next great to represent his country. They had Yager, they had Blakanic, they've had great players forever. How about Slovakia? Who's going to carry the torch after Sedano Chara and the late, great Pavel Dimitra? Who's our next face of our country? Could it be Simon Nemec in the next couple of years? Is he going to do it coming from the World Juniors? Can he represent our country? How about Switzerland? Put out some pretty good hockey players. Yeah, three of them on New Jersey. Nico Heischer, team captain. Timo Meyer, been to a Stanley Cup final. Jürgen Siegenthaler, one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. Change New Jersey's back end. You have all these players. What if you go and send Switzerland to the Olympics and people from Switzerland realize, holy shit, we got three of these New Jersey Devil players. They're all on the same team. Why don't we adopt New Jersey as our team? We tune in from Switzerland. Every, it becomes our favorite sport. We got to support our countrymen. It's a marketing opportunity that holds more value to me than just a preseason game in Australia. First of all, preseason game in Australia doesn't mean a whole lot to me because who? There's no NHL players from Australia. None. Go to Austria. Thomas Vanek, get him out of retirement, one day contract. But you, there's no, there's no. NHL players from Australia, is that is that the market you really want to dive into? Australia? Weather's too good. Why would you want to go to the cold? They don't want to do that. They live in paradise now. You're going to ask people from paradise to sacrifice? That's Anyway, that's neither here nor there. 
But to me, it's the dumbest thing ever. That's people that are in warmth. That's people that are happy to leave their happiness. Ugh. I'd sooner get hit by a Mack truck. So it's one thing if you're in cold and then you can leave the cold and you have to go somewhere else that's still cold but maybe has more to do. That's one thing. You're not that crazy. You're just hoping for something better. You go from heat to cold, you're you're the real crazy person. You need to have a psyche valve. You need people to look at you, evaluate you, truly, what's up with you. But if you have a face of your country playing at the Olympics, like Dave Pastor, like Nico Ishu, it's less about Canada. Because we can complain about it, but we're going to watch no matter what, unless we won't, because we're hypocrites. But we'll watch if the NHL players go. And we'll have that audience. And we'll do great ratings in Canada. But as I just said about the WBC, Canada's ratings are so minuscule and so unimportant in the grand scheme of things. Because there's not that many people that live in Canada. There's not. Think about getting the Japanese market. Here's how I equate this. There's this golfer, his name's Hideki Matsuyama, won the Masters a few years ago. Last season, he was offered over $500 million. That's how much Michael Jordan makes a year off his Nike deal. Half a billion dollars to join the Live Tour. Hideki stuck to his principles. He said, no, I'm not going to live. $500 million. And he's won a major. He's a good player, but he's not... It's not top 10. It's not top 20. He's not, it's not better than Rory. He's not better than Jay Scheffler. So why would they offer him half a billion dollars to go to this live tour? No, not just because they have an endless amount of money. Because he's from Japan. And there's not that many Japanese golfers. He's the most popular Japanese golfer because he's won a green jacket. Half of Japanese televisions were watching the final round of the Masters when he won. You and half of Japanese televisions, it's, about all, it's more than all of Canada. You control an entire market? Hideki Matsuyama is getting money on the PJ Tour. He's getting money from sponsors because you know why? These companies want to be in deals with him because they go to another market. You can you have all those faces looking at you saying, oh my God, we can do business with Hideki Matsuyam. We can have all these people looking at our product that are not American or Canadian. Genius. Live one of them. He said, no, I'll stay here. Compete against the best, keep my morality, and still make a shit ton of money. Hand over fist. Imagine the NHL just viewed this as a marketing opportunity. To get European markets. To get Denmark with Nick Ehlers. Pretty marketable guy. Good looking kid. Fast. Skates. Bring Lars Eller. Have Lars Eller's dad coach the team. Lars Eller, Stanley Cup champion. 
You can find somebody from every nation that is a promising story. That is a, that's something that you, and that can be something that you sell. And I think people are going to buy. Because to me, again, I'm not a European. I, I was born in Canada and you're, I played hockey for 18 years. You love it. You're just born into it and you love the sport. But I didn't have to look far to find players that I love that were from Canada. They're all Canadian. All the best players, McDavid, Crosby, Lindros. Go through them all. You can find teams that you like. Find teams, find players that you like that are from your country. For these other smaller countries, there isn't. But you know what they have? Televisions. Streaming. New world. And you know what they might do? You might say, yeah, we want to, we kind of want to watch her from, from our, how about Norway? Mad Zuccarello. Only Norwegian in the NHL. Wow. Wouldn't that be nice? Get Matt Zuccarello. They get Norway watching him. It might sound simplistic just to say, well, Zuccarello's from Norway. People from Norway start watching this now. But it's different when you put on the uniform. See their flag represented. I remember Slovenia in the Sochi Olympics. That was a shift. Kopitar was the captain of that team. His brother was on. His father coached the team. But I remember the the vibe that they got in that tournament. The country was into it. The country was all about hockey. And they started to boost more and more power. Austria is having more and more NHLers. Marco Rossi went in the top 10 a few years ago. They're going to have another one this year on the back end. They just had one go to Detroit. They're going to have three Austrians are going to go in the top 10 of the NHL draft in the last three to four years. How about that for marketing? How about that for tune into the NHL, tune into our product, keep players playing over there so we have more and more of you. How about come over to North America, play hockey over here? All different kinds of opportunities if you use it correctly. Will the NHL do that? Who the hell knows? They're the NHL. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. That's something we all know. Different people are going to like certain ads, different people aren't. We see advertising every day. And we all buy shit, whether we think it was because of the marketing or not. When you go into a convenience store or you see something on television, you're on social media, and you see a product, you're like, oh, that's so stupid. And then the next time you go somewhere, you see it, you end up buying it. Is that because you like the look of the product up close, or was that because you saw it before? Is that because you, you saw it used? You had a, you had a visualization of it. I wore number 68 because I saw Yermir Yager and I loved the way he played.
and I love this hair. I don't got the, uh, I got, well, it's getting long, don't get me wrong. I don't got the, uh, uh, what's that? Anyway, I don't have that cut that he had, mullet, but I got the long hair, not just because of Yarmir Yager. I like having, I like having longer hair. I'm not cutting it, but you can't tell me it didn't have an impact on me. I saw Yarmir Yager do the salute. I did it multiple times as a kid. I wanted to wear his jersey. I wanted to be like Yarmir. He's from the Czech Republic. I might be a, a case here. But the fact that, just think of this. We have players from other countries that we love as Canadians. They come over, they play for our respective teams, or we see them and we're like, wow, I love that player. Like some of my favorites aren't Canadian NHLers. Yarmir Yager's my favorite player. Ovechkin's in my top five. He's a Russian. I love Taves. I love Scott Niedermeyer. Most underrated player ever. But Hashik, he's more widely regarded, more loved than I'd say Patrick Waugh, for sure. Patrick Waugh is a Canadian. So our country saw these players come over and play in a league that we had access to because it was in North America. It was easier for us to watching the games, watching NHL games every other night. You know what they're going to do? They're going to be like, wow, I really like that Jake Gensel. He's a good little player. I like him. Oh, he's in a, he, oh, he plays for this team. Okay, maybe let's, maybe we're Pittsburgh fans. Or you're, you're New Jersey. Oh, I hate that player on, on New York. God, I hate our Timmy Panarin. I hear you. God, that player irritates me. And you start having those conversations, and before you know it, you're, you're watching a game every night. For these countries, to me, it's like watching a new show. You don't know you're going to love or hate a new show until you give it a shot. Other than Maverick. I'm not giving that a, st I'm not giving that a shot. I already know I hate it. Do you know you're going to like The Office before you start? You might say you hate it. Oh, I hate it. It's a stupid comedy. Oh, Kenny Powers and Eastbound, and that's not going to be any good. You know, uh, Last of Us, that's a stupid show about zombies. That's not going to be any good. It's a defeatist attitude. But if you give somebody the option to watch it and they like it, then you need to give somebody the push to say, you know what, maybe give this a try. Just, just give it a try. Have them Give them the access to the product. These streaming services are giving us access to all these shows. Wow, do I want to watch Perry Mason? Do I want to watch White Lotus? Do I want to watch Last of Us? Oh, Succession Season 4 in a couple weeks. Oh, my God, Brian Cranston in your honor. Crave has it all. Then we go to Apple and say, oh, my God, we got Blackbird, Ted Lasso Season 3. Oh, the final season. Oh, my God. What else do we got over here? Oh, yeah, we got Amazon Prime. And we got, we got Twin Peaks. And we got Bosch. We got all the Oscar-nominated films on here that we can rent for like five bucks. What am I going to do? How am I going to watch it all? Netflix. <clears throat> oh, yeah. 
that's still there. But we don't know that we're going to like it or hate it until we have the availability to see it. ESPN Plus, these platforms, the Olympics. Let as many people see your product as you can. I want as many people to see me do this show as possible. You might hate me. No problem. Hate myself sometimes. At least I gave you the option. At least I provided the space for you to either come to love me, come to hate me, indifferent, which is actually the worst place. I'd rather people hate me than just be indifferent. Oh, I hate his takes. I love his takes. If you're indifferent about my takes, it's kind of like a comedian. You're like, eh. You know, you just go Jim Beheim on me. Eh, you know, he's okay. Oof. He's okay. Love my material, hate my material, have an opinion, my God. NHL, ladies and gentlemen, I was wrong about international play and the Olympics. I'm sorry. I apologize to you all. I was wrong. The World Baseball Classic made me realize that international play has advantages for players and owners slash gyms, all that. It's just about making it worth it. If only people, if the if, if in the Olympics, if it's only households in the U.S. and Canada watching the Olympic Games when it comes to men's hockey, then you know what? It's not worth it to send the NHL play because they're already watching the sport. Now you could do more in the U.S. for people to watch. But if it's just about getting Canadian viewers to tune in and that's all that is tuning in, then your marketing campaign has failed. And you know what? Gary Bettman and the owners who hate sending the players are right. They're absolutely right because you're not helping yourself one bit. From uh, from Owen Sound or Brent from Main River are still going to tune in and watch their favorite Leaf game. There's Jean from Riviera de Loup is still going to tune in and watch the Montreal Canadiens because he loves their team and he loves hockey. They don't care. They're going to watch it regardless. It's about making it accessible for as many eyeballs as you can. Marketing, 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 and doing it effectively. Will they? Who knows? But there absolutely is a place for it. But is Connor McDavid saying it, making me lean towards wanting to have it one way or the other? No, not at all. I like hearing him have an opinion about something. Love it. Don't. I'm glad that he's forthright about his position. But does it change my viewpoint on this? Not even a little bit. That he wants to go, that he wants to compete. Okay. I'm glad. 
But to come to a rational decision, to come to the end of the line, you have to think of both parties, not just one. You have to think about how it benefits X and how it benefits Y, not just X. Players want to go and compete, great. How does that benefit Y? We want to sell this, great. How's it going How's it going to benefit the consumer? Is it price? Is it functionality? Is it the way you get it? How? That is what both sides need to figure out. And if the NHL, the players, ESPN, ESPN, TNT, you own the rights in the States currently, you want to do more to promote ESPN Plus and you want to give it out to Europe and to other sides of the world where people can get the Olympics, people can get NHL on a nightly basis, watch games, people can get access to the UFC, whoever, but just focusing on one sport right now, great. Because maybe the Olympic numbers will be up because people already have NHL hockey on their mind and they can find their local great on their local stations via ESPN Plus, NHL Center Ice. And then you get, you in that, you also get people turning into the Olympics. Bing, bang, boom. But really. I'll tell you, I like Connor McDavid talking about before the game yesterday. I'm glad that he's forceful about it. I'm glad that he cares about going to the Olympics. That's important to him. I'm super happy about that. But I'll tell you, you know, he doesn't say much what normally. He's a pretty salt-to-the-earth guy. He doesn't like to be too flashy. But he does it with his play. And I truly think for Connor McDavid, who's going to win his third Art Ross trophy in a row for most points in the National Hockey League, I think in the back of his mind, he was pissed off last season when many people, not me, but many people believe that Austin Matthews is a better player than Connor McDavid. Now, Matthews had a 60-goal season. He had all these stuff. Even though McDavid had the most points, McDavid went farther in the playoffs. Austin Matthews was regarded as the best player in the world. People were voting for him and not for Connor McDavid. And... I think it pissed him off. I think it motivated him to come into this season and completely take the league over. Just send a message that I don't care what you're doing out there in Toronto, the biggest media market. I don't care what Matthew Kachuk is doing in Florida, his great season, Pasternak. I don't care what's happening in Boston, record-setting season as a team. I'd love for my team to be better, but my management can't figure it out. Our goaltender makes five million bucks, can't make a save because his mind is more fucked up than Freddie Anderson's. But despite all of that, we are going to play hard, and I'm going to be the best player in the world. And he has been since night fucking one. He has been a man on a mission, 
and getting 60 goals for a guy that used to not be a goal scorer is truly incredible. He's going to last year. Austin Matthews is the best goal scorer in the NHL. Pure goal scorer. McDavid's improved his shot. McDavid has proved his, his defensive play. And I don't want to hear anymore that this player might be better than him. Oh, he cheats. He does all this. He needs to. These people that say that his game isn't all the way well-rounded, you're not staying up to watch his games. So you, sh- you don't just player in the world. And he's been head and shoulders better than the entire league. He has 30 more points than the next closest person. Newsflash, the second closest person, is his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, who had four points last night in a win over the Arizona Desert Dogs, who've been playing hard as of late for whatever reason. They don't want to get Connor McDavid. I don't want, I don't want, so they don't want Connor Bedard, pardon the pun, and I don't want him to go there either. So great. But what this guy is doing is on another level. I love Sid. Sid had a great game last night. If you didn't catch the Pittsburgh-Colorado game, Sidney Crosby played fantastic. Had one of his vintage backhand goals, and Sidney Crosby, for Fords, anyway, is the standard. He is the, he's the gold standard. He's the guy you think of. He's truly the... The special player. Three Stanley Cups, Golden Goal, great QMJHL player. And Crosby is better than McDavid because Crosby has the accolades. He's he's won the awards. He's won the championships. And McDavid is trying to accomplish that. But for an individual season and just a start to a career, I haven't seen anything like Connor. I haven't seen skating ability, how great he is on the power play, just how incredible he is on the power play, the elite passing, how much he's improved. The best player in the world, not willing to back down, trying to get better, working with Gary Roberts. It doesn't matter. He's addicted to being great. He has that in him like Sid. Will Connor McDavid ever win a Stanley Cup? I hope so. I think the Edmonton Oilers, despite all their flaws, there's a lot of parts of that team that I can't stand, quite frankly. They could go on a run this year. Could the Oilers get to a Stanley Cup final out of the Western Conference? Yeah, I think they could. Now, they could easily be bounced in the first round because I believe that the Los Angeles Kings are a tough damn out. They're a very scrappy team. They play hard. They're fast. They're physical. Andre Kopitar is playing still some of the best hockey in the entire league. 200-foot game. He's scoring goals. He's mentoring a young kid in Quentin Byfield. Adrian Kempe is a stud of studs. He's going to get the 40 goals. And Los Angeles has better goaltending than the Edmonton Oilers. 
Corpus Allo or Phoenix Copley. Both of them are better than Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, you can't put in the net. Despite the fact he started once in a month, Jack Campbell, and that Stuart Skinner has had his ups and downs and their defense score is pretty weak, that Brett Kulak signing looks better and better every day, Connor McDavid is, I haven't seen anything like him. And let's get, let's get the coach's take on this. Let's bring in, let's bring in coach. And I mean, what I mean by coach is Matt Wright, of course, but he's our, he's our resident coach here in the program. Writer McDavid gets to 60 last night, 138 points. You know, we've got to see Crosby. I know we both love Scotty Niedemeyer. We've seen some great players in our day. But McDavid's he's he seems like a different beast to me right now. Right now he is. Right right now, right now the way he's playing is the best player I've ever watched in the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've only been alive for 29 years. I've only been watching hockey for probably 28. I uh, started young at the age of 1, but uh he is doing things right now that are I've never seen before and he it's different than like, for instance, Crosby is a type of guy that just makes everyone around him better. Um, right. Where McDavid does that, but McDavid is just basically putting the team on his back and going out there and just dominating. Like it's crazy how much he is dominating each and every game. And to put up 60 already with what do they got left? I think ten games. Over, yeah. I was going to say 10 games, nine or 10 games. I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 70 just the way he's playing right now. It's very doable. Uh, I mean, he's putting up two goal games like it's nothing. And it 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 sucks to say, but you know what people are always going to say. Until they win something, they're just mm -hmm. going to say he's a great player that never won anything. What's really hurt McDavid, too, and he talked about it yesterday, is the non-best-on-best hockey, where yeah. we haven't got to see McDavid wear the Maple Leaf in, geez, since I think the mm -hmm. World Juniors. Yeah. yeah. So we haven't got to see McDavid play best on best and other than the you know, team North America oh, back yeah. when that was, but what, like you said, what he's doing right now, he's by far the heart trophy winner. And I would love to see him hit 150 points by the end of the year. I think that's very doable with what he's doing right now mm -hmm. and point percentage he's on, but he is scoring in so many different ways too. He's not scoring the same goal. He's scoring different goals. And it's, I remember back when people said Crosby would never win the heart or sorry, never win the rock or shard. And then he went out and scored 51 that next year. People were saying that kind of about McDavid last year was let's see if this guy can score some goals. And he's sending a big F you to the league and everyone who's saying this guy can't score goals because he's the, by far shown he's the best playmaker the best goal scorer he's the best player in the league right now but how about the goal crosby scored last night vintage city crosby vintage vintage city yeah beating big win over the avalanche because they uh they, they needed that one because they've been playing some dreadful hockey as of late how did your last weekend go in in montreal for, the, for your last season with uh with champions for the season uh not bad we went two and two we uh we kind of ran out of gas. We we really only had a couple team practices bef before leading into it. We had some guys on March break. It's an event we added in late. And once you get 
to up to this high level at any level, you need to be on the ice and you need to be getting those reps in. And when guys are in Florida for a week and come back and you get two days of practice, it's, it's kind of a recipe for disaster, but we, we played well. We went two and two. We kind of ran into a, uh, we ran into a powerhouse there against bishops. We've, uh, we've been beating bishops all year. And then uh, they, they had some players from their varsity team come down and play on their U16 team. And when you got a guy who's going to be playing at Quinnipiac running their power play next year on, on their point, it made it, uh, made it a little interesting, but it was a great weekend. Uh, great, great way to finish it off too, though. Like, and for, even though we didn't get to play for, for, for another championship, we just missed out. We finished third. It, it was a good weekend and we left with our heads held high and we're happy with how we performed. Yeah. So for, for you, this is, you know, obviously a big year you've been coaching for a while, but this is like your, your big step up for you when it comes to just, you know, your, your job and uh, opportunity and uh, responsibilities and everything like that. How, how would you, how do you look back at, at your year? when it comes to just you, how you got better as a coach or how, how would you evaluate yourself? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that's something that not just in coaching, but in every, every, you know, job, I think it's, you, it's important to look at different points throughout the year. Look yeah. at, for, for me, you look at your, you know, your preseason, you look at your, your in season competition, and then you look at your postseason. So right now we're in that postseason and, and it is a reflective time, not just looking at what we have to do as a team to be better, looking at recruiting, but looking at myself too. And, you know, where I've come over the last year, I think for me, the biggest thing is I I've realized I enjoy it even more than I thought I did. Um, I've always loved coaching, but it's one thing when you go on the road and you're, you know, you're not just going in Moncton or St. John, but you're going to Toronto. And then the next weekend you're going to Montreal. The next weekend you're going to Boston. And, and it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time on the road. It's, it's leaving Thursday mornings early and home late Sunday nights. And the work week starts again, Monday morning at 6am. So it's, it's a big commitment, but I, I love doing it. And, and one thing I realized throughout this year, I haven't had a lot of time to reflect yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing I have noticed in, 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 is I definitely grew as a coach. I feel like I've learned when you're on the ice with players every day, how important it is to basically keep it fun too. It's a long season, especially mm -hmm. for, for our, our kids, you know, that they've played more hockey this year than they ever have, especially with the last two years with so many different shutdowns. Um, a lot of our players were, were mentally and physically exhausted in a good way, not in a bad way, but in a good way, but just realizing that you, you can't have the same approach every day at the rink. Yes, you want to be consistent, but you have to realize what your group is like and what the feel of your group is. It You got to realize when you can push and when you need to pull back. And I think John and I did a good job of, of learning our group throughout the year. And we played our best hockey at the end of the year. And that's what you want you know, in any organization is, is to be playing your best hockey at the end of the year. So it was a long year, but it was a lot of fun too. And, and for me personally, I've realized that it's just something I love doing and I want to keep doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. And based off what you, one answer you just gave there, you said you want to try, you try to keep it fun because it can't be serious, serious all the time. You know, it, that's part of any job. Uh, me and you come on here. We like to have fun. It's part of the reason why I love chatting you. You're a great friend, and it's fun for me to see you and have this. You know, we get to have a chat and see each other without even really thinking about it. 
But you, I'm thinking to the NHL and the Calgary Flames right now, Ryder, with your answer saying you try to keep it fun. And you think of that team and how many expectations they had before the year and just how miserable this year has gone. Do you think maybe, and just outside looking in, that they might have missed that fun component this year and it's just been too, you know, workmanlike, workmanlike, Daryl Sutter, and that might they might have missed that part of the job? Yeah, I, I think there's there needs to be a point where, you know, it is business, right? At the end of the day, it is a business. And, and, and even looking at our year with our, you know, U16 team, I, I guarantee there was moments where, you know, for lack of a better term, our players in the dressing room saying, you know, fuck the coaches, we're going to fuck do this ourselves, you know, right. for excuse the language, but, and that's okay. You need a bit of that, right? You need, yeah. if you're not having that, if it's all, you know, if it's all rainbows and butterflies, then it's gonna, it's not gonna end up being the year you want to have. So you need a little, little bit of give and take. But for them, it seems like it's been too much. You know, get up. It feel, it feels like too much of a job, even though it is a, their job. And right. it's, you can tell that the players are kind of bonding for each other. But when you're constantly in hearing negative things, you're probably gonna end up drinking the Kool Aid a little bit. And you don't want to be. And there, it's it seems to just be a negative vibe around that organization. And yes, maybe some of it's coaching, but I think there's all there's always a lot of different factors involved. I I, I think that they really need to look at the end of this year because whether or not they get in, and even if they get in and win around, I think they really need to kind of like we just talked about doing it a, a deep dive into why this year has had a sour taste in their mouth because. Even if you get to the playoffs and you do well, your fan base is still going to be talking about how it was kind of a crappy year. It's it's a weird dynamic that, yeah, you want it to be business, but you also need to look throughout the, the way. And if I'm a free agent, do I really want to go to Calgary right now? I don't know if I do. No, no. And, and at when it comes to take our team for us to be successful. We have to recruit hockey players. We have to, and we have to have people that want to come play for us. They want to see the success of the program, but they also want to know that, yeah, they're getting better in school. They're getting better on the ice. They're having a good time doing it. And at any job, yeah, there there's, there's pros and cons to a job, but you want the pros to be more than the cons. And, and seems like there's more, more cons than pros right now in Calgary. Yeah, I very much agree. And yeah, no, I like I like hearing that that insight with that. So thanks for 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 sharing that. It seems fun to be playing at Princeton right now. I their coach is a lot of fun. I've heard him interviewed a number of times this week. They're obviously our Cinderella 15 seed into the Sweet 16 at the NCAA tournament. But, you know, they beat a two, then they beat a seven. They're still alive. And they just seem to be playing with house money, right? Or it seems to be a whole lot of fun to be playing for – to be a Princeton Tiger right now. Yeah, I was uh, – I, I shot a message to our, our goalie coach, uh, Ethan Pearson. He He's the goalie for Princeton. Um, was nominated mm-hmm. early for the Hobie Baker this year. Congrat, great year for him. Um, but I had sent him a message. It must be pretty fun to be on campus right now. And uh, – 
I can imagine it is. It's a, I can imagine that place is, is, is bumping for lack of better terms. And you can tell they're having a lot of fun and yeah, they are playing with house money. Like there's, there we're not supposed to make the sweet 16. They barely got into the tournament, but Hey, that's why this tournament is the best tournament in the world because anything can happen. And, and a lot of it too, is when you're a 15 seed, no one really knows much about you. They haven't watched you play all year. And right. as much scouting as you can do, once you get into the tournament, anything can happen. And, and when you're matched up against players that you've never played against, and it's only a one game winner take all it's sometimes it's hard to get comfortable against another team until it's too late. And it's unfortunate that they're playing a six seed because I was kind of hoping that Creighton would move on too. And, and one of them has to lose. And right. It's going to make an entertaining game tomorrow night, but congrats to Princeton and I'm cheering for them. Go Tigers. Yeah. Creighton's another, you know, they beat a Baylor. So they're another high seed that wins. Other than the whole Princeton, the Fairleigh Dickinson of it all, what was the most surprising result from the first two rounds for you? Well, I think you just said it, FDU. And the fact, not even the fact they won, to me, it's the fact that Princeton or that Purdue once again is getting knocked out by a yeah. really, really high seed. Like they're they went in as a one. You look at who they've, you know, if I'm a coach coaching at a small school my goal is to get into the tournament and play Purdue you look <laughs> at coaches that have gotten better jobs because of Purdue's failures right. in the first round of the tournament. And if I'm that school, you've got to be shaking your head. Like, is it, do you have to change the coach to me? Like you can't lose that game. You can't be a one seed to have that success and be the talk of the tournament and then lose that game. I it's, it's, it's shocking. The amount of, big upsets that have been on the side of Purdue in the last, you know, 10 years. I think there's four or five yeah. massive upsets. Yeah, it, it is. It's, and honestly, Ryder, to see Kentucky go down, wasn't that surprising, but still a bit alarming because it's still Kentucky. For me, it's that Duke is out. I thought Duke was going to be a final four team. I had them going to the final four. I thought they're, they're a better team than Tennessee. They are. But, I, you know, tennis, Duke couldn't shoot, and Tennessee plays great defense. But I think Duke threw away a huge opportunity because looking at the draw now to get to the Final Four, I think it would have been pretty comfy for them to, to get there. I think they'll look back at this and say, oh, we missed a great opportunity to get to, to our second straight Final Four. Absolutely. And and I think two of the best teams are playing tonight against each other, Gonzaga and UCLA. 100%. So yep. if you're Duke, you avoid one of those teams. I think that, uh, like you said, a very, this bracket's wide open. This tournament's wide open. I think if yep. you look through, I honestly think 10 of these teams could win this thing. Um, I think it's wide open. And, but Duke missed a big opportunity because they were playing really good basketball leading into the tournament. And they, they put up a stinker against Tennessee and you give Tennessee props. Like you said, they played really good defense and Duke couldn't score, but I don't think Tennessee's winning this thing. I, no, I, no. I could see Florida Atlantic knocking off Tennessee tonight. I think they're going to. Yeah. I, I FAU's 33 and three now on the season, which is incredible. And they're kind of Mike D'Antoni's dream. They just shoot threes and drive to the basket. Like their coach 
made a had a statement that said, "I never want to see see them shoot a two. It's a waste of a shot. So they just, they just shoot threes and get and get to the paint. But they're they're fun and they can shoot." What did you make of Eric Musselman taking his shirt off after the win over Kansas? Was that yay or nay for you? That's a nay. That's a nay. <laughs> Especially when you have a body like mine. It's a nay all the time. There's not much muscle there. I, 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 the, the day Stu, the day Stu hockey folded was the last day I stepped foot in a gym. So <laughs> I, I, for me, it's a nay always. I, Maybe if you win the national championship, but like, right, right. I don't know. It seemed, it seemed there's no need for clothes to be coming off. I don't know. It's, it's, you're not one of the, the, maybe it's not soccer, you know, soccer, they rip the shirt off when they score. And right. I don't know. And it, it, it was a little much for me. It's don't get me wrong. It's a big win, but the shirt can stay on. It's an A. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big nay. You mentioned the Purdue not getting the ball, the ED. Have you noticed anything just as a whole, like kind of just any patterns from from games that you either like or dislike from teams? A lot of three balls. I think we talked about it last year. Uh, a lot of three. The game is even more the three-point shot. Yeah. But one thing that I'm really looking forward to, and I think that I really hope people stay up tonight and tomorrow and maybe you know watch some of these late-night games. Because mm-hmm. I think some of the best basketball in the tournament has been the, you know, the 1040 starts. And right. that's the problem that we've, we've talked about when you're West Coast teams like Gonzaga again. I guarantee half, you know, people will be watching Gonzaga tonight in the Sweet 16 for the first time this tournament. Just because yeah. they're always playing the late night game. And same with UCLA. But one thing that I've noticed too is there's some really good point guards. There mm-hmm. are some really good point guards in this tournament and shifty, shifty point guards. And one thing I've noticed is the smaller player is starting to make a comeback. I think even though the talk leading into the tournament was the big man, I think would shifted not just from the average size player, but to the smaller player, which a guy like me, I love that. But <laughs> it seems that some really good outside play by some guys that are under six foot five, which is kind of nice to see. Yeah. Kansas state's little guard. He's so fun to watch. He's such a great shooter and he's, he's got some cockiness about him. He's not afraid to shoot. Michigan state's got a guy off the bench. FAU's got some, sh- I, I like, I agree with you about that. And even UConn, they got, they got a few guys that are undersized that can just flat out play. Looking at, you mentioned Gonzaga UCLA. Is that the best game of the round of 16s for you of any of them? I think so. I think yeah. so just because those are two teams that most people I think would have had at least in the elite 8 or cir- or circling this matchup to happen. Right. Um yeah, this is one to me this is the marquee matchup just but in saying that I think there's a lot of really good matchups and I think there's a lot of going to be a lot of really close games. I don't think there's too many just looking through the, the I don't see maybe Alabama beat San Diego state by, if, you know, covers the spread and could, you could see them beating them by maybe 10 or more. Right. But for the most part, I don't see too many lopsided games in the sweet 16. So I, but to me, yeah, Gonzaga versus UCLA, you have Timmy who's been there for a decade. 
And then you have eligibility too. What's that? You still got another year of eligibility too. Which is so the I heard that the other day and I was half yeah. asleep watching the game. It was midnight. And I had to rewind it because I was like, there is no way this guy could come back. <laughs> but I guess that's what happens when you, you know, pandemic for two years, shut down. But yeah, like, they might as well just tenure that guy and like let him be there forever because it just seems like he has he he can't leave. But I think I think Houston versus the U is going to be a really good matchup. I think that could be a very high scoring game. Miami loves to shoot the ball. They love to go quick in transition. Yeah, Miami's a fun team to watch. They're gonna they could be up ten and then down ten in the span of like a minute and a half. So right, right. They're, they're fun to watch. I mean, the Princeton matchup is going to be exciting just because it's a fifteen seed. Xavier and Texas will be a great game. Like they're all going to be really good games. I think, like I said, the only blowout you may see Alabama kind of roll San Diego State, but everyone's good when you get to the Sweet Sixteen. But yeah, Gonzaga versus UCLA is is the matchup for me. I feel really good about Texas, and Xavier won't be an easy game by any means because they're a good team. But to me, Texas. They're looking more and more to me like a team that could be in the national championship game by the time we get to the end of this. Yeah, uh, they, they've they looked really good in both the games they've played. They've really, I feel like, haven't broken a sweat in the two games. I don't know. It just seems, it just seems like everything's clicking. And like you said, Xavier's really good. They're, 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 they're a great program. They've all, they may seem to make the tournament every year. I, I do agree with you, though. Just looking at the matchups, I think Texas could win this game and set themselves up nice to make the Final Four. I think if Texas doesn't make the Final Four, looking at the way they've played in their first two games, that it is uh, it is a disappointment. Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, I would agree. So, Houston, Miami, who do you have winning that game? I have the over. <laughs> But uh, I, to me, this game, I think it's the U. I don't know. I don't know. I just, they they can score so easily and so quickly. But Houston's a better team and Houston should win this game. But I feel like there has to be an upset somewhere in this. And I, I think right. Florida Atlantic has a chance to have an upset. And I yeah. think the U has a chance to have an upset. Those would be the two, because you're not going to see eight, of the, you're not going to see all eight of the best teams win. There has to be a couple upsets in there. So I think if you're looking yeah. for an upset, I think it's the U. Yeah, because I think like we both agree we see Texas beating Xavier. Yeah. I don't I, – I think UConn's going to beat Arkansas. I, I don't even know if it will be – I think UConn's – they're playing some great – I don't know if that game will be – I think it will be close, but I think UConn will win. Yeah, you? I don't think I don't think either team's a big favorite in that one though. I don't think there's an underdog or a favorite. I think they're just two very right. close teams. Gonzaga, UCLA. That's the thing. If either team wins, I don't think it's an upset or or an underdog. But that that game is going to come down to the wire to me. That to me that game's the a buzzer beater shot. But I think it's going to be UCLA because Gonzaga's has shown that they. They, when it comes down, when the, the chips really matter, they don't win. And what I worry about them is their team isn't as good as it was in past years, even though I picked them to win the tournament, my original bracket. But just watching them, Timmy has to do a lot. Mm-hmm. He had 28 points and he had 26. In the, like, if he even has a 
80% of a good game. I don't know if they have somebody else that can step up and be great. Where I think UCLA, they have three or four guys that can be good, and that'll be yep. enough for them to get by. Yeah, I, I could see UCLA winning by three. It's kind yeah. of what I see. It's going to be a, to me, it's going to be, you have to stay up and watch this game, though. No, I'm just, I can't wait. I'll be up late tonight. Watching <laughs> tonight will be a late one for old Matty Wright as well. K State or Michigan State? I kind of think Tom Izzo's got something cooking right now. Got something going? Yeah. And he is giving it to the refs at every chance he gets. He is letting the stripes know every single play. But what they're doing is they're playing really good defense. And yeah. they're when you if you watch them, there are coaches like if I don't coach basketball, but if I did, I think I'd want them as my team just because they play just good basketball. Right. And I think I think I think Michigan State is going to find a way to win this game just because I think them and Kansas State are very similar, mm -hmm. and I think just Michigan State has a little bit more. I don't know. They're they're a bigger name. I just I think they have a better coach. I think Michigan State. This is one of those years where they slide in under the radar and they could make the Final Four. FAU. I want to see FAU win because they're exciting to watch. Yeah, Tennessee's so boring. But. Tennessee is boring. That's to yeah. me when it comes down to this, I'm cheering for I'm cheering for people I want to watch in the next round. And I really yeah. want to watch Florida Atlantic again. Creighton or Princeton? Oh. Oh, who's gonna win? Yeah. Probably Creighton. Yeah. I think Creighton's actually really good. I think they're kind of been underrated this year. But I really want to see a 15 seed keep going. Yeah. They, I think I think it runs out tonight, though. Or can tonight, shoot. Sorry. Oh, my God, they can shoot. What's that? Brayton can shoot. Like, oh, they can shoot the ball. They can, can shoot. Against Baylor, it was just ball screen, ball screen, three, three. I was like, Jesus. And Baylor played pretty well, and they still ended up losing by, like, eight points. Creighton's a really good basketball team. Yeah. And I just think that Princeton could be running into a – even though they're playing a six, six seed – uh, this that's not a six seed uh, Creighton. They're they're much better than a six seed, and I think the Blue Jays are going to win that game. So, looking ahead, come Monday, who's going to be in the Final Four? Ooh, uh, I think I don't know about all four, but I think that UCLA is going to be there. Okay, I, even though they are playing Gonzaga, and that's a massive matchup i think that ucla will be there after that i really do believe it's wide open could michigan yeah. state like i said i think you could see a michigan state potentially get into the yeah. final four right but i like i said i think there's like 10 teams that could win this thing i think it's wide open this year that bottom half of the bracket with fau tennessee one of those four teams is gonna be in the final four yeah Someone's getting in. Yeah, somebody's get. I don't know who it is yet either. It's. I think it'll be the winner of tonight's game, though. I think it'll be K State or I think whoever wins tonight between K State, Michigan State, the first game on tap tonight, I think will be in the Final Four come Monday. Just because I think Florida Atlantic is good and everything, but if they do get by Tennessee, I think either team can beat them. So I think it'll be the winner of tonight's game between Michigan State, K State that gets there. 
Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm, that's why I'm kind of leaning Michigan State because I think Michigan State finds a way to win tonight. And yeah. if they win tonight, that means just they're, they continue to do the right things. And who do you think they'd rather play? If say Michigan State wins, do you think they'd rather take Tennessee because they're so boring in their defense, and they or take the more shooting kind of more tricky matchup? I think they would rather Tennessee. Yeah, me too. I think they'd rather because I think Michigan State knows how to play basketball. Yeah, and I think Florida Atlantic is kind of one of those teams. If you're ever you know sitting at a poker table and you're like, hey, this guy is all over the place. I don't really know what he's doing. Sometimes it's hard to read. Where. I think if they play Tennessee, they can figure out how to shut them down. And like you said, Tennessee's boring to begin with that Michigan state would, I think would be fine, you know, bringing that game into the, into the mud and turning it into a 52 48 win. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on Houston just because that's where the final four is. And the national championship game is in Houston. (laughs) They got to be feeling a little bit to get there. Oh, Absolutely. You don't see too often where the the host of the Final Four has a team with a legitimate shot of being there. Yeah, and the Super Bowl until recently that never happened. No, for sure. So that's why it's there's a lot of pressure on Houston, especially as the one seed. But even the fact now that you, they know where the tournament is, it's in. You know, and they're they're playing at you know even though the U's good, they're playing what's considered an, a, an underdog. Like they are the team that should win that game tomorrow. But I think the U's gonna beat them. I just yeah. Yeah. they score so much that I just there's an upset bound to happen. I think looking at them, they could be it. It's crazy too because the U, both the men and the women, are are through. They're both in the Sweet Sixteen, and if the men win tomorrow, both men and women both would have beaten a, a one seed to to get there. The women's tournament's been awesome. Yeah. The Caitlin women's Clark tournament has been absolutely awesome. I think that there's not enough talk around how awesome the women's tournament is every year. And mm-hmm. I think we need to shed light on the women's tournament because there's been some upsets. There's been some close games. And I find the final four with the women's tournament always electric. Yeah, I do too. And I don't pick favorites, as you know. Mm-hmm. But Caitlin Clark is so fun. Oh, like I, I have no affiliation with Iowa. I know me and you, we think of Iowa, we think of boring offense in college. Well, I love Iowa. I love Iowa. That's true. But, oh, yeah, well, well, their their football team sucks ass. But they, she, she, I think she's the best shooter in college basketball, regardless of sex. Yeah, she is exciting to watch. She can score and she's got some, she's got some flair and she's got some bite to her game too. She's, She's awesome. Yeah, she. I you you could throw her on any team in the men's tournament, and she'd put up some points. Yeah, she she's a she's a scorer, and I'm really looking forward to watching some some of the women's game this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. I think it's a good time for it because I mentioned earlier in the show the NHL season's a bit of a slog right now. Like you're waiting for the playoffs. It's like okay, let's get, let's get to it. You know, a lot of teams are kind of making their way through NBA Especially with the matchups the way, you know, everyone's, you know, everyone's playing already. So it's hard yeah. to get excited. Yeah. Uh, and you got the masters in a couple weeks. Uh, the match play is not my favorite event for golf. It's actually my least favorite. I hate the match. Play. I hate the match play, but that that's going on this weekend. 
NFL always has something to say, Ryder. They they don't have an off season. They don't slow down. Your AFC East that used to be full of Tom Brady and three quarterbacks with names that you couldn't remember because they all sucked. Now have it's just full of great guys. You got two in Miami. You got Josh Allen in Buffalo. Your guy Mac Jones in New England, and it looks like. Number 12, formerly of Lambeau lore, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. Him signaling on the Pat McAfee show that he that he intended to play for the Jets, what was your initial reaction to hearing that? Well, it's a player who wants to move the needle and get something done. If I think we, we, we've talked about it many times. Rodgers loves the spotlight, and... This gets him back into the spotlight and lets people know what this is exactly what he wants to do. I never love a play like this. I think it, I think it makes it tough on the organization to get fair value for him. I think it, I think it puts the Jets in a tough spot too because now the Jets really have to make something work. And and, but do I think he's going to help the Jets? Absolutely, I, I do. I think he's still got a few years left of playing very good football. And as we've seen, there's only so many good quarterbacks in the league. There's some really bad ones and and he is a good quarterback. He will help the jets, but he's just, I've, I've kind of tried not to listen to him a lot because it's just, he's around too much. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. Some, it's, like, it's like the guy in class who every time someone's presenting, they always have to ask two or three questions. It's like, right. listen, man, we know you're there. Like ask a question. You know, we've had that mean you sit in a class before where, there was oh. one person in particular. She must ask a hundred yeah. questions every presentation. I think you know exactly who I'm talking oh, about. I know who you're talking about. And it's yeah. like we, we get it. You're there, but like you you don't have to be the center of everyone's presentation or everyone's. Te- and he just wants to be the center of the NFL. And right. it's it's too it's too much. It's too much for me. But he is going to make the Jets better if he ends up there. So do you think this pushes New England into fourth in the division as as we look ahead? as we stand right now? Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately think it probably does. I think a lot of it will depend on Tua in Miami mm-hmm. and what his health is and how he starts the year. It makes for a great division. I think it's going to be, especially because it sounds like some people in Buffalo just didn't have a lot. Of, back to the fun thing. It sounded like it, was, it, it wasn't a, a fun atmosphere there last year, even though they're winning a lot of games. I don't know. Something seems off in Buffalo. I think it's going to be a really – the AFC East is going to be exciting football. I think I, I think that I think Buffalo is still the best team in the division. Right. But I think that there's potential for two teams to be in the wild card from that division. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I, I don't disagree at all. Because you said Miami is such a wild card with health and all that, but their team looks good, and they get Jalen Ramsey and – both receivers are back. But your Patriots added Gasecki from Miami, yep. who's talented. They gave Juju the same contract that they could have gave to uh, to Myers. Myers, Jacoby Myers. Do you like would you rather have kept Myers for that same money or added Juju? I I like adding Juju because it's showing that people that wide receivers will come to new England. <laughs> I think that there's been such a, such a stink around. Well, it's because we haven't had very many good wide receivers and right. you know, since it's been a while, even when we won the super bowl, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it shows that you're bringing in someone who just won a championship and he's a good, a good, good still a very good receiver and you can do a lot with him. He's got size, he's got some speed and they're going to use him in different ways. I think it, I think this is someone Mac Jones needed a different type of receiver who can just go up and get a ball. And I like the addition. I really do. I think he's, you know, he's, he's a boisterous character, but I do mm. like the addition. So with the division going to be tough, you had Damian Harris left the Patriots. He's going to the bills. A lot of guys are staying in division, just going to different teams. Lamar Jackson's out there and there's, Rumors New England might inquire about him. They always seem to be in the mix for these guys, but they never get any of them. So we'll take that for what it's worth. So frustrating. Yeah. So (laughs) frustrating. Would you just stalking horse every year? Yeah. Would you give up the draft capital and the money for Lamar, or do you want to stick with Mac? Oh, it's it's. Yeah, I think you do. I think if if you had an opportunity to add Lamar Jackson to your team, I think you have to look at finding a way to do it. Yeah. To me, he's one of the top top five, six quarterbacks in the league. Very underrated quarterback for winning an MVP. And he's shown that he can throw the football. And that's something where I didn't think he could do a few years ago. He's proven he can throw the ball downfield. And he really hasn't had anyone to throw to either. So. No. So I, I would go after him and, and like one thing I've talked about is, is Mac Jones showing that he hasn't been able to throw the ball downfield In fairness to him. I think that the play calling limited his ability to do so. Yeah. I think the addition of, of Bill O'Brien's a massive, massive ad for the Patriots. And I think that their offense is going to just be much smoother and just, a lot more options this year, but yeah, if you could add one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the league, I think you have to try to do so just because as I've said earlier on this podcast, there's only so many out there. There's not 15 good quarterbacks. There's only really five or six elite quarterbacks and he's one of them. And if you're the Patriots, Mac is on a rookie deal. So he doesn't make big money. He could be your backup. You could keep him as an insurance policy if Lamar does get injured. That's it's better. It's a nice fallback option. Well, it's so true that like you don't have to pay all these guys all that money if they're yeah. not very good. Like some of these teams are just throwing these these contracts at these average at best quarterbacks, and I don't get it. Like Danny Nichols getting yeah. paid what he did. I think I talked about it last time I was on here. Yeah, it's. It's like That's building your team around your third line right winger. Yeah, he's good. He's a good player. He's a guy you want on your team. But that third line right winger isn't convincing the top player on another team to come play for you. Like, it's, right. it, if if I know Danny Dimes is my quarterback, I'm not going there. I'm sorry. Like, he's, <laughs> and, and maybe I'm just using him as an example. And, but, and it, maybe it's because the Giants have screwed me out of a couple Super Bowls with the Patriots. But but I just, if you don't have to pay a guy, don't pay him. And I think, like you just said, it, you don't have to pay Mac Jones a boatload of money. You can put him back on your bench. And having Mac Jones as a number two, in case something happens, we see every year how many quarterbacks get injured. Yeah. And how many teams are in a good spot and then their quarterback falls. And now it's a complete 
let's look at next year or the year after and it's complete shutdown of their season. If you could have Mac Jones as your backup, boy, you're in a good spot. Uh, I read before we went on, Ezekiel Elliott is actually going to play next year. I, I thought he might retire. I didn't know what he was going to do. He apparently narrowed down to three teams, reportedly choosing between the Eagles, the Jets, and the Bengals. Which team do you think would make the best for formerly great running back Zeke Elliott? Hmm. Well, I, I don't think there's – I don't think it's the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I – and I don't think it's the Eagles. I just don't think there's a lot of – like, those are the teams where I don't think they – I don't think they really want them that much. I don't know. Oh. Because he really – he doesn't – those are three teams where I'm, I don't think either of those three teams are like, man, we need to get Zeke. He's the piece that's going to put us over the top. Right. So but he's where a running back. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean – I don't know. I honestly like that one throws me for a loop because I don't don't see him fitting in with what the, with what the each team has for running backs. I don't think they really want him that much. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at with it. So yeah, he could want to go play for the best teams in the league, but it doesn't mean the best teams in the league want you. And if I want a backup, I'll draft somebody. You can find great running backs and have them on your bench. You know, there's. Just look at Memphis. They get a running back, gets drafted out of Memphis every year, and he turns out to be a really good little speedster for a while, and then he turns into Tony Pollard, you know? So you can find them. Mel Kuyper, mock draft 3.0, had the Patriots selecting Joey Porter Jr., corner, from Penn State uh, yesterday. I saw, does that excite you, or do you want potentially to let them grab uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State? Them taking a cornerback. Do you think that would excite me, Noah? <laughs> I thought do it you might. Think, do you think that would excite me? It's not a journeyman O-lineman. I'm looking outside to a snowstorm, and I think I would rather walk outside without clothes on in that snowstorm than take another corner. Um, even though we have some, we're adding some offensive pieces in yeah. free agency, we need to draft an offensive piece. It is yeah. it, I say it every year, but you have to give your quarterback an opportunity to be successful. And we haven't done that yet. And we have to try to do that. Yeah. I would take in Jigba. He's still there. I know he was out for a lot of last year, but the guy can run routes. He's a damn, he's a good football player. I, I, I just I don't think he's going to be there when, by yeah. that point, I think someone will, will see what you just mentioned. And right. I don't see him going that dropping that low. I mean, if he does, if he does, don't be wrong. You, I think you have to take him. The best case scenario for the Patriots is if these teams get horny about quarterbacks and you see about five of them go in the first 10 picks and then they might forget. And then before you know it, the Patriots can scoop them up. That is what the Patriots need is, is people to, for Richardson to go and, yeah. and, and yes, and just guys to go in the top 10 and, or sorry, the top, yeah, wherever it is, and just just quarterback after quarterback. That's what we need because then it opens up. Because as we know, offensive linemen are going to go in the top ten picks. They do every year. Yeah. So it would be nice to see some skill players slide slide a little bit. I know you got to run. You got a phone call coming up, but uh, what's on the horizon for 
champions the the U16 season uh is done for you what what's uh what's on the horizon for you and and for the for the program well it uh the team still they're still here we skate twice a week and they're in the gym three times a week so right. they're going to be here right till the end of end of May so the goal now for the team is for players to work on specific skills develop the skills they need they really need to work on and get stronger get in the gym get faster get stronger and and kind of be ready, you know, put yourself in the best position when the draft comes in June for the Q draft. Um, for me, it switched for me. I kind of switched back to uh, my day job of, of uh, champions hockey development. And we got uh, 30 some spring teams between Fredericton and Miramichi. So a lot of it now is coordinating spring teams, building schedules, and a lot of time on the ice working with our elite groups this spring and uh, traveling, I have my uh, 2011, uh, basically a Team New Brunswick 2011 group. Um, a lot of the top players in the, around the province. So we got a couple tournaments that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tackle this spring and uh, spend a little bit of time at home as well. I've been on the road uh, a lot. It's like I said, it's been a lot of fun, but it, it's it's tiring as well. And and spend a, a lot of time at uh, at home and actually i gotta uh, i've kind of put it to the back burner because i've been so busy but uh i have, i'm working away on my high performance one through hockey canada so right. over the next uh, over the next month i'm really gonna have to uh bear down and, and put some work in on that and, and uh and and work away at that but it's gonna be busy but it's uh it's it's nice to be home and and then transition into the spring hockey well uh congrats on a great season I appreciate the time as always, and uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome, buddy. I appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. I'm sure we'll be sending a text at some point this weekend because I'm sure something crazy is going to happen in the sporting world. Absolutely. Enjoy the tournament. Thanks, buddy. You too. See ya. There's Matt Wright, everybody. Thanks to Ryder for joining us. Uh, as always, always fun to chat with him. Uh, yeah, you know, Ryder's right about uh, this person, those people – in class, I'd always have to ask a question. Are those people that always have to see they have a 95, but they believe they deserve a 97? Just they're always poking away. And there, there can be players like that in sports too. You know, you just think about players that I think need a little extra. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of those people where he just, he needs to be in focus. He needs to be a, the center of attention. He needs to have everybody talking about him and you know, it gets annoying. I think, I think it wears on people and we'll see what happens there. But as of right now, he is still a green Bay Packer. Doesn't sound like he's going to be a New York jet anytime soon. They got a workout compensation. I think the draft is going to be the big sticking point there tonight. World of sports. we got the tournament coming up baseball next week. Lots of NHL action, a bunch of games. Florida, Toronto tonight, important game in the standings. Vegas, Calgary, Calgary has 10 games left. Exactly. They need to win all these games. Important for Vegas, too, because they're battling with Edmonton and L.A. for top of the Pacific. Rangers, Carolina, back-to-back uh, -back for both these teams. Kraken, Predators, important game in the standings. Uh Penguins back-to-back -back in Dallas playing the Stars. Uh, some NBA action tonight as well. We also got the Miami Open going on right now. 
Last week we had Indian Wells, Carlos Alcaraz, Alina Rebekina, one for the men and women respectively. Rebekina was in the final at the Australian. She lost to uh, she lost to uh, Arena Sabalenka. She then beat her at Indian Wells, so she got some revenge there. Alcaraz did not play at the Australian. He was injured. He ended up winning Indian Wells. He beat Daniil Medvedev in the final. So two huge events back-to-back. No Novak Djokovic, still not allowed in the United States because of the vaccine and all that. But, yeah, another big, big tennis tournament. We got the tournament, NFL news as always, NHL. The Tampa note I'll save till tomorrow, Friday show. Tomorrow on the program, we got a UFC card this weekend. It's not a pay-per-view, but it's a fight night in front of fans, which I want to talk about, Cheeto Vera and Corey Sanhagen. So we'll get into that tomorrow on the program. We'll talk about the tournament, of course, with uh, what happens tonight. Four games tonight, four games tomorrow, two Saturday, two Sunday. Maybe talk about the match play. I talk, It's not my favorite event on the PGA Tour, head-to-head matchups. We have the match play. We got the Valero Texas Open next weekend. Then we have the Masters. Masters two weeks today. It all starts. Have a little watch party two weeks tomorrow. Little Good Friday golf. As I joked with my mother this morning, it's the first. It's the first religious holiday that's done me any good in my life. <laughs> I'm just kidding, everybody. Not really. But fun stuff coming tomorrow. Enjoy the sports tonight, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today and the continual support. Until then, take care.